Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Qualified, the place where incredible people share their stories of overcoming great adversity and loss to inspire you and give you hope. I'm Michelle Heaton. We all know that Father's Day is upon us, and I wanted to take some time to acknowledge all the great dads out there, the dads who will be celebrated this Sunday with their families by their side. The fathers whose kids traveled in from out of town for barbecues and good times around the table because they've invested and cared and loved. And today they will delight in the joy they deserve. But let's also acknowledge those who are facing loss on this day. Your father might remind you of more difficult times. You may have experienced the loss of a dad or the loss of a child or both. It may be estrangement due to abuse or neglect caused by a father that you will be reminded of this weekend. There may be dads who feel ill-equipped for the job because their father didn't take an active role in their lives, or worse, the role he played was not a good one. Your dad may have reflected his father's behavior with you, good or bad. Your father might not even know what a good father looks like, behaves like, loves like, because it wasn't modeled to him. And as a result, you might not know what the standard for fatherhood should be. Today's guest will talk with me about this topic. He's fairly new to the fatherhood thing, with three little ones, ages four, two, and three months. He doesn't profess to be an expert on it but he does it every day. And from my vantage point, he's doing it well. So I wanted to get his perspective. And in addition to being a dad, he has a master's degree from Fuller Theological Seminary, and he serves as a teaching pastor at a thriving Christian church. He's currently enrolled in a doctoral program at Duke University, in addition to helping his working wife raise two little girls and a boy. Welcome to Qualified, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Well, obviously, I raised a lot of hard questions about fatherhood in the intro, (laughs) and we'll talk about those things eventually. But first, can you tell us why you decided to pursue a career in ministry? Yeah. Well, I didn't, first of all. I didn't. I was planning to be a teacher in college, but I think God kind of hijacked those plans and changed the trajectory of everything. It wasn't my plan to, to do ministry. It was just never on the radar, but I felt called at some point in my heart. It felt like this was the right thing to do and I should do it and it's worthwhile. So you met your wife and you decided to get married. How long were the two of you together before you decided to start a family? Four years, four years or so. So plenty of time to travel, do some mission stuff overseas, and, you know, enjoy life, just the two of us. That's good. You know, I've talked to a few young people recently who told me that they didn't want to have children because of the state of the world today. What I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Have you ever had reservations about it? Or did you always want to have children? Yeah, I, I never really had reservations about it. Never really... I don't know, thought about it that way. But I kind of think that children are a sign of the future. And I I see the the future in hope, like not in failure or a crumbling world like some people might. Of course, it's scary, but 
I think if if we can raise our kids to be world changers, uh, a lot easier said than done, but, mm. but well, I think that might just change the world. And so I think there's a lot of hope for the future rather than retracting and thinking that, well, let's just not, not deal with the problems yeah. or not try to, to fix them. World changers. That's great. Can you talk about those things that you had to give up when you became a father and how'd you feel about that? Yeah, there's, I mean, sleep, number one, is a big one. That that changes, especially after the first couple of months. But sleep, surf schedule, the, the opportunities and time to go surfing is greatly diminished. Time in general, that's one of those things that after we, we had kids, we wondered, like, what did I do with all the time that I used to have before. And so it's it's different. You become more efficient, I guess. But time is is a big loss. It's busy, but also every day is is good in some way. It's new, it's different, and even challenging, which is good too. So you you do give up a lot, I think. You do experience loss, but it's all it's all for for the better purpose, I think. Mhm. Well, did you have any fears or anxiety when you first learned that you were going to be a dad? <laughs> yeah, of course. There's the like I have no idea what I'm doing, and yeah, I still feel like I I don't, but I think in the in the months leading up to it, like we found out that that she was pregnant and we were in the middle of remodeling our home and we actually took the the test in the the home that was all gutted and everything. We're putting it back together. And we found out she was pregnant and we were super excited and scared at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then the next couple of months were filled with, you know, more remodeling of the, of the house and it felt like our life was kind of coming together in terms of mm-hmm. a family. And so it was very exciting, but also it hit unexpectedly. The The thrust into fatherhood immediately happened, not according to our plan. Right. So, right. Well, I've interviewed other adults for the podcast who were raised by ministers or pastors, and they refer to themselves as PKs, mm-hmm. right? Pastor's kids. So you're now raising two girls and a boy that will grow up to be PKs. What's your biggest hope for them and their lives on a spiritual level? Yeah, so they're they're already PKs. They they have that branding, right? And I hear it can be rough. You know, the other day Zeke, our our oldest, our four year old boy, he asked me if heaven is in the sky, and I was like, no, it's a different reality, true reality outside of space and time, and yet able to make impact on our space and time. And someone on staff is like, dude, your kids are gonna be so jacked up, and I'm like, yeah, I should probably just you know say it differently or whatever. But but my hope is that they grow up, even as pastors' kids, to to grow up to love life and to also love the church. And so we want to enjoy it, not make it seem like a, a burden. Um to to see like the ultimate value in loving God and loving people. Because I think there's nothing better. You know, I also want to help instill in all of them to to be helpful and accountable cultivate hearts of compassion in them and hard work. Like you don't just give up because you're tired. You keep on going, even when the going gets tough. And and I want to help them discover like their own relationship with Jesus. And, and always, I think the most important part is to have an openness with, with me and and with Tara, my wife, where they can tell us anything. Yeah. That's important. What have you already started to pass on to your children that you learned from your dad? (laughs) 
Definitely a couple of good lines. Christmas, <laughs> Christmas is canceled, or I'm going to call Santa if they're you know misbehaving. Um, what you know, when they're brushing their teeth and they're just running the water, playing with the water? Another line from my dad: "We'll save some water for the fish and quit lollygagging." And Zeke's like, "What's lollygagging mean?" Well, it's like wasting time. <laughs> there's so much, probably a lot that I don't realize. A lot of subconscious. Definitely a sense of humor, and sometimes that's biting me because of that. And uh, I mean, Zeke, our oldest, he's only four, but he's also got a strong work ethic. And I think that's something that that I received from my dad. And, you know, Zeke, he, he's just not a quitter unless he's hangry, you know, hungry and angry yeah. at the same time. But uh, a big one also is an awareness of safety. My, my dad uh, was a firefighter for years. And so I have this a blessing and a curse, like you know, to on my days off, it's, it's project day or you can do stuff around the house, but it's also a, another thing is, is seeing safety as a big uh, part of life where in every episode I can see all the different things that could go wrong and trying to prevent some of those things is a, a big thing. So, um, yeah, I think safety is something that has been passed on or responsibility, but I, th- I think we, we experience or we pass on to our children what we experienced from our, our parents mm-hmm. and something as simple as playing Legos. I remember playing Legos with my dad, building a train set, whatever it was and how important that is to, to the kids as, you know, it's not necessarily the fancy vacations or, you know, the soccer clubs or whatever, yeah. but it's simply like sitting down and playing together Yeah, or reading, stuff. reading together mm-hmm. big, big time. So that's good. What mistakes have you made <laughs> along the way? Yeah, a lot. Every day, there's a lot that I, I could probably amount here, but so many frustration, irritation, those things. I remember snapping at Zeke one time and he just melted there. Mm. Um, I like raised my voice or just was real sudden, real sharp. And, and he said, Dada, you scared me. And I just felt gutted. Like, mm-hmm. ugh, yeah. apologize profusely. And, you know, try to use better methods. That's what I've tried to do instead. Use better methods or just pausing the frustration. And I I asked Tara about this and it's like, well, what about like with Etta, our our two-year-old? How have I, you know, blown it with her? And she's like, oh, well, she's like your little princess. So you let her get away with anything. (laughs) I said, I don't think so. But, you know, that's one of the things is, yeah, you get frustrated, you get irritated, the responsibilities, the stress, whatever it may be. Sometimes that has a way of, of you know, seeping out of our pores and into our relationships with our kids. But I love the way you said it just, yeah. you know, just got you in the heart. Yeah. Because you love them so much. That's yeah. the last thing we want to do is hurt them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big time. Well, do you have any routines, rituals, or traditions that you've already established in your family? And why are they important? Of course, like getting real Christmas trees every year and the prices just keep skyrocketing. But carving pumpkins, we celebrate birthdays, anniversaries and make a point to do that. On Christmas morning, we always have our you know family tradition of we're just celebrating by ourselves first. And we'll read the Bible story before, you know, gifts and stuff. And my wife usually tries to make some new recipe. It's always a mystery. But <laughs> we go to church every week. And that's kind of a routine that we follow. And we want to instill 
and, and the kids. We go to church every week. It sounds simple, but it does set a precedent for mm-hmm. us and for them. We spend Mondays together. Usually that's our, our day off. And so we try to do, we try to do family movie nights as well, but there are our middle one at us. She's just not really into movies except for Encanto for a couple of minutes. But uh, another thing would be bedtime routine. Tara's like, oh yeah, I always pray every every night with Zeke and with that. And I'm like, oh, oh I I don't, <laughs> but I should. Like sometimes <laughs> I do, but I I think that the routine of yeah, we tell a story, we rock, we sing a song, maybe we read a book, and those are all common things that they look forward to, and I look forward to throughout the day. Yeah. But, well, I, I love that you said, you know, you go to church and it's a routine, mm-hmm. it's important. And then the fact that you pray or read the Bible yeah. on Christmas morning yeah. kind of reinforces that it isn't just going through the motions. It's a part of who you guys are as a family. Yeah. So what's been the most rewarding mm-hmm. part of being a dad so far? Yeah, hearing hearing I love you, being able to, you know, hear your child uh, communicate that to you um, is huge. And obviously spending time together and seeing them grow and learn the light bulbs turn on and seeing them discover new things that they enjoy. Yeah. I love you. It's huge. Mm -hmm. Jeremy, in your opinion, what are those traits or characteristics that you aspire to that you believe make a great father? And what's the most important thing that a father can impart to his children? Integrity. I think that's uh, the most important for sure. Like you are the same person wherever you are, even when no one's watching. And I always want them to see me as the same person on stage, at church, at home, or really wherever. So integrity for sure. I think someone who's present, I think someone who's uh, listening, someone who's involved are all really important. I think someone who helps you when you make mistakes and also one who lets you make mistakes. One of the things that I'm I'm working on right now is changing my language instead of saying like, be careful, be careful every time, oh, yeah. you know, the kids are doing something crazy and life-threatening almost, you know, <laughs> you, you don't want to just kill their joy or kill their experience or learning because I mean, yeah, they'll find out that that hurts. And my dad always, always used to say like stupid hurts. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's true. If they want to do the monkey bars, you know, go for it. And I mean, I don't want to go to the ER, but <laughs> um, there are certain times and places where I think it's okay. So, so allowing them to grow into who they are, to ask questions, to try and answer all the questions that oh, yeah. come. So a lot of listening and a lot of being present, I think is super important. Yeah. And that's another thing. Instead of, my wife is always on me about it. Like instead of telling them what not to do, tell right. them what to do instead. Right. Yeah, Something more good. productive. Yeah. You know, I, I recently talked to a man, a father, who was in the position of caring for his aging dad mm. after being treated poorly by him for years. And he described his dad as being old school and not knowing any better. He said he was from that generation where the men took a backseat to parenting and let mm-hmm. the wives take care of that stuff. And he said his dad used to make fun of him because he changed his kids' diapers, something a man doesn't do. <laughs> what are your thoughts about that? <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think a lot of the, I think the, a lot of what we learn is from how we were raised. And so that definitely impacts. I saw my dad changing diapers. And so I didn't think twice about changing diapers. And I think that the way that we parent is a way that we're, we're a team. And I think that the team approach 
works well for us. I think it is a shared kind of leadership role. But when a situation is like there, there can be a lot of bitterness and a lot of resentment that comes from a, a father figure who speaks to you and treats you like that. And that, that can fester for years, that bitterness, unless it is approached and maybe, maybe talked through or forgiven. But yeah. 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 That's a hard one. Sometimes when fathers don't have the best role models in their dads, Mm -hmm. they tend to perpetuate that bad behavior with their kids because it's all they know. What would you say to an older dad who falls into that category? Is it too late for him to make any changes? No, there's always time. I think there is always time. And I heard just a tragic story of um, a man I, I know who his father was ill and his father, he knew that he was dying and had a terrible tumultuous relationship with his dad throughout his entire life. His dad wasn't there and it was just a bad situation through and through. And he never forgave his dad and his dad died. And yeah, he reaped the benefits of that financially, but that bitterness and unforgiveness with his dad and also, you know, later on with his mom as well. Like it, you can just see it erasing his, uh, joy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there's always time. There's always time to, to make changes. And a lot of times it has to do with swallowing our pride and asking for forgiveness or making the first step. Like don't wait for the other person to make the first step. Right. You got to do it. You're the father. It's your role. It's your responsibility. Like, don't wait. So, Jeremy, as you know, I started the podcast based on my own realization that sometimes it's good to talk to someone who's qualified based on their own loss experience Mm. versus someone who's earned their qualifications from their education only. Since you're a pastor, I presume that you provide biblical counseling based on your education. Do you ever draw upon the experiences from your own losses and how, if you do? Yeah, all the time. My parents were divorced uh, when I was seven years old. And so that plays a big part in relating to people or sharing experiences with people. I think that we all experience loss as human beings. And so there are clear episodes in life that you can talk about. One of those was for us, I mentioned earlier that you know, I was thrust into fatherhood. I had planned for, or we had planned for Zeke to be born at you know, the optimum time, 39 <laughs> weeks, 40 weeks, whatever. And he came really early. He came at three, 33 and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. And he was three pounds, 14 ounces. And it was an emergency C-section. Tara wasn't feeling good for four days. And we finally decided we should go talk to the doctor. And the doctor said, you need to get to the hospital. So we go there and turns out she's, she's going to, you know, have the baby today. It was touch and go for a little while. He was in the NICU for uh, nine weeks, 63 wow. days in all. Came home on oxygen and a heart monitor. And so there was a lot of re-shifting, I guess, we had to do in our expectations and our plans for that. There were a couple of times where we walked into the NICU and um, they were doing CPR on him and he was blue. I never had any any doubt that he would he would pull through and that he would make it. I think it has to do with God um, being with us throughout it and the hope and faith that was growing. But there was loss in, in the middle of that and hardship and 
you know, having to work through uh, the experience of it all. But I'm glad we could do it as a team, the postpartum as a team, <laughs> the emotions as a team, and just to to be strong together through that. Yeah. This last year has felt like a, a lot of loss. The last two years, grandparents on, on my dad's side died and... But they lived, you know, great long lives mm -hmm. and we were able to say goodbye and so those situations. But sometimes, you know, just being a pastor, you experience a lot of loss and people around you. And it doesn't just mean death and people dying, but there's the experience of loss when people move away um, or when people uh, leave. Yeah, there's so many different ways we experience loss in life and we have an opportunity to learn from them all. So... Back to fatherhood. Where did you look to find the benchmark you wanted for raising your children? Or where should any man look? Outside of yourself, I think. You have to start outside of yourself. I think it has to start with God. And I know that sounds like the Christian answer, but I think in God we have the, the best example of fatherhood. But I think that we gain things from other people in our lives, whether they're our you know, biological father or the paternal figure in our lives, uncles, or just friends, friends, dads, or you see your friends going through their relationships with their kids. And I think that you can pull different things from each relationship, the good, the bad, you know, hey, I'm going to raise my kids like this, or I'm not going to do that, whatever it may be. You, you begin to see certain individuals, obviously my own dad, you know, appreciate everything that he has, has instilled in me, but I also see, you know, other people too, in a different personality type, who they are and how they're able to raise good kids. Jeremy, you've covered so much today about fatherhood and the work it takes to be a good dad. You acknowledged how difficult things are in the world today, but encouraged parents to raise world changers instead of allowing fear to dominate our decisions. You talked about the sacrifices a dad has to make, but how they're overshadowed by the joy of a greater purpose. You shared about how our own plans are subject to change and how we have to accept those changes to learn and grow. You emphasize the value of modeling integrity as a father, being present, spending quality time, listening, developing traditions, offering and accepting forgiveness, and expressing emotions. What other lessons have you learned about fatherhood that you can share with someone who might be expecting to be a dad for the first time, or to someone who's aspiring to be a better dad? I think having God as your everything is actually everything. <laughs> Being a dad is a result of the miraculous. And I, I don't mean just like a biological development that makes you a dad, but, or even a court order or whatever. It's something more that produces a, a great responsibility and challenge and joy. Like I could not do it without God in my life. And I don't know how some people do, but God, I think gives me the ability and the resolve to work at it. I mean, try again to ask for forgiveness and also slow down to enjoy every moment. Uh, so I think that's, that's what it is for me, at least that experience, that, that knowing that wisdom that comes from God, you can't do it on your own. You need people around you. Honestly, I've never read like any books, but those would be great. 
But I think the real life experience and the relationships around you really support um, support you through that. You cannot do it alone. No yeah. person can. I, I, I was just thinking about that scripture, we love because he first loved us, mm-hmm. right? And I always think about that because when we have God's love in, in us, it changes the way yeah. we love other people. Yeah. And so when you were talking about Etta and just yeah. the, or the pain that you feel when your child experiences pain, that kind of love is God's love in my view. Yeah, big time. I've talked about it before, like Greytown, where you before Jesus comes into your life, it feels like everything is gray and you don't know any different because you've only ever seen it gray. And so like the streets are gray, the grass is gray, the houses are gray, the sky is gray, everything is gray until Jesus comes into your life and paints it, flooding it with color and life and beauty Mm. and vibrance. Uh, It changes everything. You see the world entirely different, whole new reality, which is true reality that is uh, shaping and transforming everything that you knew to be you. Yeah. I mean, that's a beautiful picture, and it might be hard for people to understand that Mm -hmm. aren't at that place, but it it reminds me of fatherhood, Mm -hmm. you know, and having that love for your children, and as a man, making a decision Mm -hmm. to maybe break that cycle just because they were raised a certain way and say, I'm going to love my kids with that kind of love. Yeah, and I I talk to a lot of people who maybe were raised in in a, a home that wasn't loving at all, but I think that anyone can experience something and say, you know what? I don't want to do my parenting like that. I want to be different. And so it's maybe it's a chip on your shoulder or it's in response to how you were raised. And so therefore, I don't want to raise my kids or friends or family or whoever in a different way. Is there a particular story in scripture that you believe demonstrates for us the kind of love a father should have for his children? Yeah, I mean, there's this story often people call call it the story of the prodigal son, but I think it's more the story of, of the prodigal God who is willing to be recklessly spinthrift toward us, to be loving at all costs and all expenses. And I think that's what we're supposed to do. And I think we have a warped um, perspective of that today. We think that they need to be in all the soccer clubs and all the volleyball clubs and all the football clubs and all the things that cost money and, you know, because the, they're going to be some great athlete, whatever it may be, or they're going to go to Stanford. Or what, but I, I think all that stuff is kind of superficial to the reality of being an actual father figure in their lives, not just a parental figure, but a, a father figure is, is something that takes on a lot more weight when we see, I think it's in Luke 15, the story of, of the, the two sons and the prodigal God who, um, who the son goes out and spends all his, you know, inheritance and is in the pig slop and tries to come home and his dad just loves him and accepts him. And the older son is all mad about it and is all bent out of shape. But the father is like, what? (laughs) Why don't, why don't you love him? Like I love you. And, and so I think that that is an image for me about uh, what it means to be a good dad is the father who is, is loving in a way that is self-sacrificing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you look more deeply at the story, you see this father who who runs. And in the ancient world, you don't run. If you're an old, distinguished man, right. you don't run. Um, he, he gives him a huge hug. This kid, he probably smells like pig slop. And he, he gives him a ring and a robe and a feast. And I think that's what we... Not that we need to spoil spoil the kids, but I think they need to know how deep our love is for them. 
You talked earlier about how one of your most rewarding experiences was hearing your child say, I love you. But obviously that was taught by you. But sometimes that's not the case. And there are homes in which those three words are never spoken for whatever reason. So if there's a dad listening now who falls into that category, who never said I love you to his kids or rarely told them how he felt about them, would it be awkward or weird for him to just start at this point in life? It can get awkward, but I don't think it has to get awkward. Like this is your your child, right? Whether they're adopted or whether they are um, your own flesh and blood, whatever whatever it is, your your child, like you, you can tell them how much you love them, right? And embrace them, and even if it gets awkward, you know, just do, do it, it. <laughs> just do it, right. you know. And I don't, I think, I don't think we do that enough. We put up walls and boundaries. And finally, what about someone who's lost their dad? Maybe he passed away not too long ago, or he's not present in their life due to some other circumstance. How can they be encouraged going into this weekend? One of the things I often think about during the Christmas season is we we focus a lot on Mary, we focus a lot on Joseph. Um, but when you read the Gospels beyond the first chapters of Luke and Matthew, those are the ones that have like the birth stories, we get to Jesus as an adult and Joseph is gone from the picture. And one of the questions I've always had was like, what happened to Joseph? Where Did he die? Uh, is he gone? Did he peace out? I don't know. Um, but Joseph is gone from the picture when he's an adult. So did Jesus experience uh, loss at an early age or in growing up and having to deal with his father? I don't know. Mm-hmm. He's not there. Yeah. His mother is, but his father's not. So Yeah, we read about his mother at the foot of the cross. And at the tomb later, but no reference to Joseph then. And maybe there is another lesson for us there. When there is a physical or emotional absence of a father, oftentimes others step into that role for us. But we can always rest in the knowledge that God the Father is there. I think that we can learn a lot from our fathers, whoever they are. But I think ultimately our picture of fatherhood, eternal fatherhood, should be God. I think that when we picture God as a father, there's a lot more depth to that as he protects and defends and supports and upholds and corrects and guides and all the things that, um, but he does it perfectly. And that's the thing that makes him so different than me and maybe other fathers out there is that he does it perfectly. And he is the example that I think that we can really gain a lot from or everything from. Jeremy, thank you so much for agreeing to talk with me and to share all this on the podcast today. Absolutely. My pleasure. So for those of you listening, it is my hope that you will have peace today. I hope that you were encouraged by Jeremy's message, that whatever your circumstances are on this Father's Day, you can find gratitude and meaning in your life the way it looks right now. Losses of all kinds are so hard in the moment but they teach us if we let them and they surely make us stronger in the long run. And remember that one day you'll be able to help someone else with the lessons you learned during the difficult times in your life. Thanks for listening.